too much stuff for my hands tonight. There we go. I gotta tell you, I wish we had a magic store here in town because for the, the really well, I just wanted it for for tonight for the message because I really wanted to figure out a way that I could chop my hand off in the middle of the sermon tonight because it would fit. The solution is simple, and we do have I do have really good insurance through my wife, um, but. I don't know. It just seemed like it might be a little much. So, uh, if you would turn in your, in your, your Bibles and it's on the website. If you go to the message website and it's on the paper and it'll show up behind me also in the Tapestry Bibles, it's page number 715. And let's read from the Gospel according to Mark. Somebody spilled coffee on this Bible. Shame on you, whoever it was. Was it? How do you know that? Oh, okay. Shame on you. <laughs> He's the only one. Yeah, it's never happened before. No one else has ever spilled coffee on one of the Bibles here. Um, so, starting at verse 37, or excuse me, 38. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop. Because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of of water in my name because you belong to to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. And if anyone causes one of these little, little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than for two hands uh, uh, than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Fire and salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Now, guys, we're going to talk about a couple of different things tonight. And... uh, he, he did cover a lot. All of it kind of connects. But uh, I didn't want to separate down to really small sermon stuff. Are you going to get into the Cicero argument? No, I'm not actually going to get into the Cicero argument. I, I ended up debating with a friend of mine about whether or not Jesus was quoting Cicero at one point of this. And uh, my friend's wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> I agree with your friend. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just said you agreed with both. I agree with you. I was on the post. Oh, I thought you said I agree with your friend. I agree with you. Like, that's kind of wimpy there. So, okay, um, here's what I want you to think of. What Jesus is describing here is, is this. In your life, you should have said yes to something that causes you to say no to many other things. You, you should know that already. I think our faith is that. But we have a lot of different examples. Okay, Those of us who are married in the room, when we said yes to our spouse... 
We said no to many other things and many other people. It's a part of that. If you just say yes and you don't think that says no, well, truthfully, we know that leads to a really bad relationship. See, our yes implies a no automatically. And we know that. Okay, if you see somebody who, who is married to someone else and they said yes to that person and then they say yes to things that take them away from their spouse all the time or worse yet, they betray uh, the, the, the fidelity and the trust there and they say yes to other people, well, that's a bad thing. We know that. Those of you who are not married, okay, you know that too with other things. But when you're married and then you, you, you maybe have kids, you know that when you say yes to kids... That implies saying no to, to many other things. Okay, I wanted to be an astronaut. And then our kids came along and... No, I didn't want to be an astronaut. But, I mean, there are things that, that me saying yes to having kids automatically meant that I said no to other things. And that wasn't a bad thing. Those other things that I said no to, they might not have been bad, but they would have been bad if I said yes to them after I said yes to my kids. It, it, those of you who are students, you know that if you, if you say, yes, I want to go to college, and then basically you say yes to everything else that's a distraction, then you answer questions like this. I like this, that he's named the axes. Um, and <laughs> I, I wish he had named them like Sue <laughs> and other things. But guys, everything that we say yes to automatically implies that we're going to say no to something. But so often... We treat it as though it doesn't say that. And specifically, I think the church quite often treats it as though saying yes to Christ does not imply saying no to a lot of other things. And I'm not even talking about sin here. Actually, I am talking about sin here. I'm not talking about bad things. Because sin and bad things are not always the same. Jesus quoted before this, everything that he's been talking about in chapter 9 actually goes back to this part, uh, this part of the passage in chapter 8. Where Jesus says this statement. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then he starts giving example after example after example after example after example. And it gets pretty severe here. Okay, I know people who are like, I'm okay with Jesus. But when he starts talking about if your hand offends you, chop it off. I find that kind of too extreme. That is extreme. Yes, sir, Jacob? I don't think so. No. I do not believe so. Uh, I think it's a personification of... Jews were very active on things rather than just going, oh, this is a sin. They would talk about the action. I think it's just personification of there are sins that you can commit with your hand. Okay, there are sins that can commit with your eye. I think we go towards the, the lust-oriented stuff because of our society right now. But there's a lot of other sins. Okay, stealing. I mean, I guess you could steal by, by you know, taking something and grabbing it with your mouth. But ultimately, you're probably using your hand. Okay, um, violence. I mean, maybe you're a kick kickboxer and you're just going to use your feet kind of kind of fighting like celtic dancing <laughs> okay yeah i mean it's not just that okay i think our society quite often goes there but he's he's more making a statement of if this is causing you to sin somehow jesus is extreme he's like get rid of this it's it's that big a deal because when we say yes to him there is a no that is a part of it automatically. So he, he points this out. He does not have any problem at all telling us that there are things we should get rid of to be a part of, of being a disciple of him. Uh, here's just a few. I'm just going to name three off the top. 
There's a rich young ruler is the way he's described. That actual reference is not made in Scripture, but that's the way we know him. Uh, he comes before Jesus, and Jesus basically says, get rid of everything. He doesn't tell it to anybody else. Um, all of us are not supposed to sell all of our possessions, maybe some of us more than we think we are. Um, but he tells that rich young ruler, get rid of everything. Jesus has no problem saying, hey, your money is separating you from me. Okay? He says it about family. I know a lot of people who are like, hey, Christianity is all about being good families. No, it's not. Jesus actually said that I will separate families from one another. Okay? My, my family, my relationship with them, Jesus causes trouble there. Point blank. Jesus causes trouble. Because when I said yes to him, that meant no to some things with my parents. But Jesus says, with your family, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. A lot of people would teach Christianity as though it's all about you know, good family relationships. I think Jesus leads to good family relationships. But Jesus wants to be more important than your family. Also, life. Jesus point blank says, you know, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And they wouldn't have thought of that cross as, oh, it's just nice old suffering. They would have thought of it as the most horrendous death possible. There is speculation, and the reason I say speculation is we don't get a lot of history during the ancient Near East that is what a common person thinks. Typically, the history that is recorded is here's an important person, this important person did important events, or this important person had important events done to them. We don't get, you know, Joe and, and, and <laughs> Joe, I was, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, common names, Joe and Sue, who were friends of mine in, in Fort Worth, but we don't get Joe and Sue Kendall, what do they do on the farm type thing. That type of history comes about later. We don't have it for the ancient Near East, but there are, is, there are some references that indicate that for you to mention the cross in your house was considered a, a, a curse word, basically. Because it was such a horrendous punishment that you couldn't do it to a Roman unless they, they basically committed the act of treason. And Jesus says, take up your cross in a Roman-controlled society. Everybody there probably would have responded with, oh! Jesus has no problem saying, I should be more important than your possessions. I should be more important than your family. I should be more important than your life. No problem whatsoever doing that. Because when we say yes to him, there is an implied no that is a part of that. So often we don't treat it like there's an implied no. I have used this quote. Actually, I haven't used this quote. I've used a similar quote by Saran Kierkegaard. He wrote a book called Purity of Heart. In it, he says purity of heart is to, to choose the one thing. This is his description of a saint. He says a saint is a person who can will the one thing. And what he means by that is, is you choose the one thing, and by choosing that one thing, everything else becomes secondary. Secondary things can be dismissed. Secondary things can be let go of in your life. You choose the one thing. And that prioritizes everything else beneath it. Kierkegaard was a, a, a Christian, a Danish philosopher. If you study existentialism at all, he is known as the father of that. But he was most importantly a, an amazing follower of Christ. We choose the one thing. Because when we say yes to Jesus, that implies saying no to so many other things. Which is why then Jesus hits on the hand and the foot and the eye. Because what he describes them as is things that can cause us 
to fall. And I think the reason we find it a little weird sometimes is because I think we've defined sin wrong. I think most of the time we define sin as though it is a bad thing. And sin is a bad thing, but there are good things that can become sinful. Sin is any act that violates God's will. That does not mean that the end game of it is necessarily evil in and of itself. It becomes evil because it violates God's will. I'll give you an example. Most of you in the room know that one of my heroes is a guy named Tony Kampala. He tells a story about a student that he took to Haiti, and he's really big in, uh, in doing mission work in Haiti. He has several organizations that does stuff down there that he's personally involved with. One of my favorite stories is how he actually started uh, getting, getting uh, little street kids to be able to make an income that provided for their education by making shoes. Uh, if you've ever seen the old Jesus shoes, we can't make them in the States because we have radial tires. You can't do it with radial tires. Uh, but uh, if you have non-radial tires, you can cut the tread out and make a shoe out of it. 70s hippies did it and such. Well, in Haiti, they can still do it. And uh, he took a, student, a group of students down there with him. And one of the students was a guy who was uh, studying pre-med. And while he was down there, he said, Dr. Campalo, I believe God has called me uh, to go to medical school and come back down here and be a physician. Now, maybe you don't know this, but physicians in Haiti don't get paid near as well as physicians in the U.S. That may be a surprise for most of you. It was a joke. Is everybody just too hot? And Because it couldn't be that my jokes are failing. There's no possible way. <laughs> Guys, you're too hot? Is that what you're saying? You should have said, yes, I am hot. Ah, uh, you're crushing me. Guys, this student said, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, Dr. Campalo helped him to, to get into medical school, helped him find scholarships to go through and, uh, and do medical school with as little uh, debt as possible. And every year the student would come back to Haiti and would go, I am called to be a physician in Haiti. I am called to come back here and, and to make sure that these people have good medical care that they can afford. And he graduates uh, medical school and he decides he needs to work for a little while to pay off the few loans that he has. And then his lifestyle bumps up a little bit and those loans don't get paid off near as fast as they should and his lifestyle bumps off a little bit more and those loans don't come back near as, or don't get paid off near as fast as they should and well then he has a family and he has kids i'll just go to haiti every every year for a, a week or so there's nothing wrong with that it's great to go to another place and help out for a week we do that as a church that's a great and a wonderful and quite often a god honoring thing it's a great and wonderful thing for you to find the love of your life and to marry him or her and to have kids with him or her and to support your family. That is a great and God-honoring thing unless God has called you to go to Haiti and be a physician and you have, are, are sure of that and you've said it over and over and over again. And at that point, anything that keeps you from doing that is sinful. Anything that keeps you from doing that is an act that violates the will of God. And so often we have treated sin as though it is just something that is evil in and of itself. But anything, anything that keeps us from doing the will of God is sin. Yeah, it should scare us to death when, when we say that. Because realistically, if God called you to do it, then every one of us, if you don't do it, 
should badger you to death. What do you think you're not doing? What do you think you're doing not going and doing what God... I'm, I'm saying this to you, but obviously... <laughs> I mean, this... You know, we, yeah, I, did, I didn't make fun of you. I made fun of your shoes. There's a difference. I would not make fun of you, but those shoes... Those shoes may be sinful. Actually, I'm thinking that those are an act that violates God's will. Guys, I think the problem quite often is we have treated Christianity as though Jesus wants good people. Jesus doesn't want good people. He doesn't want you to become a good person. He wants you to become a follower of him, and that is a good person. But there's a difference. I can be a good person and just not do these sinful acts that are bad in in and of themselves. But I could never follow God. I've been parts of groups, that, as a youth minister, parts of groups where it was like, we've got to help teenagers not to have premarital sex. That's a great thing. Okay, I'll go ahead and tell you. I think it is better for your, your marriages when you get married eventually to not have started off by having premarital sex. Statistically, I can show it to you. But if every teenager in the world held off on having sex until they got married, that would not make them godly. The goal is for them to be followers of Jesus Christ, not moral. And quite often what we've reduced Christianity down to is morality. Jesus Christ wants you to say yes to him. And that's going to mean saying no to lots of other things. And some of them will be really, really good. Jesus Christ may call you to do something. And and you may make a lot of money in that. And he may say as a part of that, I want you to give 90% of that away. Or he may call you to do something and you may, may, may make next to nothing on it. The good is to follow him. Which is why Jesus takes a hand, a foot, and an eye. I kind of put the eye up there because I was hoping it would freak a few of you out. I don't know. There's <laughs> something, like, something about a big eye. It's just kind of weird. Okay, maybe not. I'm just not hitting anything tonight. These are not bad things. Okay? Your hand. Hopefully, you, you know, hopefully your hand's a good thing. Hopefully you don't walk around going, I just hope my hand doesn't choke me tonight while I'm sleeping. (laughs) If you do, maybe talk to me and I'll get you hooked up with a counselor, okay? There's some other issues there. Hopefully your foot is a good thing. Maybe you have a fungus or something that needs to be taken care of. But these are not bad things. They're bad things when they cause us not to follow Christ. Jesus was pretty straight-laced here. If this causes you not to be able to follow me, shop it off. Now, I hope you notice in the New Testament, and, and I would encourage you, read the New Testament, read the Old Testament, read the New Testament, read the Old Testament. If you have not read the whole Bible before, I would encourage you to do it. Don't put some plan on yourself that you have to read it by this time and then feel bad if you don't make that goal. Jesus is not about making you feel bad because you didn't read enough of the Scripture. He wants you to read it. Yes, sir. You're going to ask that now? Yeah. <laughs> ask me later. <laughs> Say yes to some things means saying no to stupid questions. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, guys, um, I'm, I just completely lost my train of thought. All right. <laughs> read, 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 read. Um, 
hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> so here, here's what I want you to think of, okay? See, I think quite often we use the church. I think quite often we use Christianity. I think sometimes we use our faith as an excuse not to follow Christ. Because we reduce our faith down to a series of acts that you do or you don't. But there's a huge difference between being a follower of Jesus Christ and just being somebody who follows a list of do's and don'ts. The early disciples weren't following a list of do's and don'ts. They were following a risen Savior who people thought was dangerous. Those of us who are reading through uh, the New Testament right now in that small group, one of the things that they said in the book of Acts uh, last week was uh, these men are turning the world upside down. Not because they were following some checklist. Okay, there are things you shouldn't do because they're bad. But just because something's not bad doesn't mean that it's okay for you to do as a follower of Christ. Jonah didn't do anything wrong by avoiding the Ninevites. He sinned by avoiding the Ninevites when God had told him to go there. Before then, before God said, go to the Ninevites, if he had avoided the Ninevites, he would have been considered a good Jew. It wasn't visiting the Ninevites that was good or bad. It was God saying, go here, and then his response to God. And say, I don't know what what Jesus has told you to do. I don't know how he's hit you on things. But I do know that if he's told you to do something, you're supposed to do it. I love the fact that that Jesus is very practical on certain things. And that carries over in the rest of the New Testament. Jesus says, just chop your hand off. It's an easy way to deal with, with certain sin aspects. Force your, if Jesus tells you to do something, force yourself to go do it. <laughs> it's going to be a pain, but go ahead and force yourself to do it. If there's something that is sinful for you, get rid of it. I have a friend who was dealing with pornography once, and he was like, Robert, take my computer screen. Why? Because it's very difficult to look at pornography on the Internet when you don't have a screen. Okay, I mean, you know, if he could you know, put his finger in the back of the computer, maybe he could translate the electrical signals. I don't know. What I do know is he said, I don't have filtering software right now until I get that. Here's the screen. And there was a spare screen in my office at this other church because it was his. Paul says it this way with, uh, with Timothy. He says, to flee, flee the desires of youth and pursue righteousness. To literally run away. Now, I'm a Monty Python fan, so I always think of this. I always th- And I just love their response because it's like there's overwhelming force because they're they're throwing animals at us and there's no bravery there at all the whole mindset is run away (laughs) run away the exact opposite of what you think a nobleman should do and sometimes we treat it as though the strong christians are the ones who are really able to stand up and just stand firm maybe the strong christians are the ones who are like oh i can't do this this conversation is causing me to stumble because I'm beginning to gossip about somebody else. And Jesus doesn't want me to gossip about somebody who is created in his image. And guys, therefore, I'm just going to run away. Chop off the hand. Chop off that foot. Pluck that eye out. Why? Because saying yes to Jesus means saying no to a lot of other things. So, 
There's salt mentioned. We typically think of salt with, with purity and such. This is actually a reference to an Old Testament sacrifice. When, when meat was brought to the altar to be sacrificed, it would typically be brought with salt so that you could season it. Because I guess God likes savory meals better. I don't know. But what I do know is, is that salt would typically be brought and sometimes it would be sprinkled onto the meat. Sometimes it would be thrown into the fire. And he says that you are to be seasoned with fire as salt. Romans 12 says this, describes that we are are like a sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We all know that if we lived in a sacrificial system, it would be entirely offensive if I was up here doing the priestly duty and and I was butchering something and, and my Diet Coke was now the offering. And then Devin ran up and went, oh, I want that. And he snatched the offerings off the altar. <laughs> Not a fan of the Diet Coke? I like Diet Coke. But we all know if, if we lived in a sacrificial, that would be terrible. We would all actually probably get a little bit of enjoyment out of it because we would then have God's, God's right to beat Devin up. And that would be, I mean, beating somebody up in the name of God, that's fine. I'm just joking. <laughs> Don't go away thinking that I said that was okay. I didn't. But that's what we do when we say yes to Him. It's like we put ourselves on the altar. And then when we forget to say no to other things, it's like we pull ourselves off. It's offensive. How'd you like it if somebody brought you a really great Christmas gift and then they came back and took it back the next day? Here's a car. By the way, I need it back tomorrow. <laughs> here, here, here's a wonderful Xbox. Here's an Xbox for you. And here's a lot of games for it. But play them really well tonight because I'm taking it back tomorrow. When we say yes to God, it implies that we're saying no to so many other things. And sometimes we just don't remember that. So, this stick man or stick woman is you. That's the beauty of stick men and stick women. You can't really tell. If I was going to be picky, I could have drawn a little skirt thing. But those always disturb me because there's never a top. And so it kind of just throws me off. I mean, I just assume there's clothes there with him. Why would, why would you have to draw in a skirt? doesn't make sense. Jesus wants this. He wants 100%. But quite often what we do instead is we treat him as though he's seasoning. And he's just a little bit on there. (laughs) And instead we have all these other things. And we make these things Christian by just adding a little bit of Jesus to them. So we have Christian tacos. And we have Christian work. And we have Christian, what was the other thing? Family and friends. But he doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to just season everything else in your life with him. He wants to take over your life. Every last little tiny bit of it. He wants to be more important than the family and friends. He wants to be more important than the work. He wants to be more important than the tacos. All of it. See, this 
realistically, is as good as nothing. So, before I end, does anybody have anything that needs to be added? Then I'm just going to simply ask this. What have you said yes to that has caused you to say no this week? Because realistically, if you're not saying no every now and then, then you've probably never said yes. If you are not saying no to some things because you belong to Jesus, then you probably have never said yes to him. That's the way it works. That's the why, that is why in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the two biggest illustrations of faith are that of marriage and family. Because we understand the love in that is a sacrificial love. It is a love that requires commitment. And those loves always require no's with their yeses. Always. That's why the description of heaven that's in the, at the end of the book of the Revelation, there's three. Those of us who are reading the New Testament will we'll go through that at the end. That's the way it works because that's the last book of the Bible. Um, but there's three. One is a garden, which hints back to the beginning of the, the book. Because if you remember, the whole thing kind of started in a garden. One is a city. And technically speaking, I'm doing these in the wrong order. The city's at the end. Does anybody know what the other description of, of heaven is? It's a wedding feast. Because it always comes back to relationship. Always. Are you living out your faith in Christ in such a way that your yes to Him means you've said no to some other things? And some of them might be good. Some of them might be great things that for another follower of Jesus Christ, they need to say yes to that. But for you, you need to say no. Because if there's no no, there's probably no yes. So let's pray. If you need someone to pray with, uh, I'll be in the back. Pete will be back there. Pray with me, okay? Father, I, I ask that you and those of us in this room who are believers in Jesus Christ, you help us to live in such a way that we will sacrifice anything rather than stumble from following him. That if anything causes us to act in a, in a way that is against your will, we'll get rid of it. We'll run away from it. We'll chop it off. Help us to live in such a way that our yes to you means no to a lot of other things that would keep us from you. And for those that we know and we love who do not know you, help us to say yes to you in such a way that they want to say yes. I pray this in your son's name because he's the one who showed us the way. Because he said yes to you. And that meant no to a lot of other things.